Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. Scott Durfee here, joined as always by Dave Durfee. What's up, David? Hey, Scott. Pretty morning. Good to be with you. Happy always to be here. Yeah, it's good to always be with you, too. Generally happy, <laughs> yeah. but always happy to be yeah, here. There you go. Uh, Dave's making a sacrifice today. I am to missing be the golf here. tournament. I know, I know. I'm so sorry to I, uh, Ryan, Britton, and my my buds, who I wish I was golfing right now at Thanksgiving Point, but but this is more important, and uh, I'm, again, really happy. No regrets, and it's all good. Yeah, you got a stiff upper lip as you're saying all that, you know. <laughs> you know that, right? I'm happy. Yeah, Dave here, Dave uh, Dave is making a I don't think most of us realize I do, but I don't think most of us realize the sacrifice he's making to oh, be here I with think us you're today. making a greater sacrifice than me. So. <clears throat> no, that's not true. I'm I'm missing work, but it's a, it's <laughs> all sweet. Yeah. Hey, uh, gang, we're super excited to be here today as we're kind of winding down uh, this um, season 2. We're we're about ready uh, in the next upcoming few weeks. We'll be launching into season three of the podcast. Season three is going to be a little bit different than what we've done the first two seasons. Uh, I think David and I have come to a consensus that we'll still sort of uh, focus on uh, the Divine Gift of Forgiveness, uh, the book by Elder Anderson is sort of our um, emphasis or sort of the foundation. I hate to use the word curriculum because it sounds so academic, but uh, you know, it, but it, we'd like to keep a, a course. Uh, yeah, exactly. We'd like to have a course, a beginning like and an a, end, a syllabus, so to speak, and uh, some organization to it. And uh, we'll branch out a little bit. Uh, but Scott, I, you know, it's we just want to teach the doctrine of Christ, and uh, you can branch out a little bit from there. But if you branch out too much, and it's not tied to that root. It's dead. Yeah. Well, and it's. And I don't want to talk about things that are dead. Right. If you're going to sacrifice a golf tournament and be here, and it, you, we, we need it, we, you know, and I we said that ton of cheap. In, but, you know, in the core. Yeah. We've got to stick to the core, and the core is the doctrine of Christ. And hopefully, everything that we, we do is tied to that root. I'm going to go out on a limb here, too, and say, you know, all of the other questions that may come up uh, in our lives or other things that people may want to talk about are really sort of covered in the doctrine of Christ anyway, uh, you know, and we're going to probably see that today as we, we've got a little experience planned. To, to, True doctrine. That we're going to talk about, so, yeah. True doctrine understood. Yeah. So, Changes Dave, behavior. Uh, why don't you set us up for our discussion today? Well, uh, thank you, Scott. So yes, as we begin kind of uh, to look forward to a season three, I'm really, uh, really excited about that. And uh, I think there's a lot of things that we can say to try to help the doctrine of Christ become more alive, more real, more relevant to, to all of us, uh, more the daily walk of our life. And... Uh, I my son shared with me a a little piece that he discovered on YouTube about a minister preacher I don't know who the guy is and don't it's not important but uh, he's doing some street contacting he's obviously a, a good Christian and uh, but he's looking for a little 
excitement on his YouTube channel, I guess, and he approaches what apparently is a group of LDS uh, young adults, I, I think. I think probably a few of them, if not all of them, are maybe return missionaries. <laughs> Looks like it's maybe in California. I don't even know where it's at, if that's clear. But uh, it's it's not the the YouTube thing that we really want to focus on. It just gives us, you and me, an example to kind of uh, springboard off of to talk about how we see salvation and redemption. And I just hope that as we wind this down, you know, last week was really, in a, in a way, the end of our course when we talked about the sacrament. And we talked about, we spent a couple of weeks talking about the importance of the new and everlasting covenant, covenants in general, that the power of godliness is manifest in the ordinances thereof. Speaking of the temple, and we've talked about ordinances and covenants, and all of that's really important, and it's kind of the the whole enduring to the end. If, if we identify the doctrine of Christ as faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repentance, number two, number three, Baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. Number four is to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost by laying on of hands. And number five is to endure to the end. These are clearly uh, taught in Second Nephi chapter 31, Third Nephi 27. President Nelson has taught these five principles as being the doctrine of Christ. Doctrine of Christ is also mentioned by Christ himself when he first appears to the uh, Nephites at the Temple in Bountiful in 3 Nephi chapter 11. Anyway, I think I think people should study the Doctrine of Christ and how it's taught in the in the in the Book of Mormon, especially. But it's in the Bible. It's in it's in the all of the scriptures. But enduring to the end, Scott, is really the receiving of the ordinances and the covenants of the gospel. That's what really helps us to endure to the end. And and we've spent a few weeks talking about that. So that's kind of the end of the course. And now we're just going to talk about, go back to maybe how we started this course. So the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Is that we kind of want to tie all of this together by really teaching again and helping us all together to understand. What does it mean to be redeemed? What does that even mean? What does redemption even mean? What does it mean to be saved? How would I answer that question? Am I saved? Are you saved? How should I see it? I think that is just so fundamental to our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how we choose to not just see it, but how we choose to live it. So I'd like to have a discussion today about uh, what does it mean? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be redeemed? And how how can knowing that change our life? Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to extend an invitation. I, I just invite us all right now, wherever we're at, wherever we are, I should say, wherever we are, to p- just push pause. Push pause for just a second on the podcast 
And just, I want you to think about just for a few minutes, how would you answer that question? You know, am I redeemed? What does it mean to be redeemed? What does it mean to be saved? And am I saved? Are the members of my family saved? And are they redeemed? So just take a couple of minutes and really just ponder, what does that even mean? I think that uh, so often, David, uh, for all of us, I think that we just go through and we're just accepting and we go through motions and, uh, we, you know, we, we nod our heads, we say yes, we just do all the things that, you know, uh, are, are, that we're taught in the church. But if, until we really internalize this, until we really make this a part of our heart and ask ourselves those questions, you know, am I? Am I saved? Am I redeemed? What does that mean? What do I have to do to to accomplish that or to have that effect in my life? So, you know, I, I, I hope, you know, each of us will just take a second right now and pause and, and contemplate that, think about that. Well, it's one thing to know how you'd answer that question, or maybe even differently, how you should answer that question. But an, another fundamental objective i think that we're trying to accomplish today scott is to try to help our listeners and ourselves to feel yeah not just to not just to cognitively yeah, be me. able to give us an answer or or not just to you know say the right things yeah but do you feel it that that's the bottom line yeah. is it in your heart has it got into that the feeling level of our hearts, the fleshy tables of our heart? Is it written in our heart? That that's what I hope, you know, um, more of our listeners can really feel. About an eighteen inch distance between the head and the heart, but that sometimes is the longest distance traveled for well, some of us, in, you know. In eternity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh my son shared this little clip from the YouTube channel and uh I don't think our listeners need to go try to find it. It's not really worth that much. But it does, again, help us springboard into this. This I think I think it's a problem somewhat. I'm not being critical. Just an observation. <laughs> I think it's somewhat uh, a problem with uh, members of our family, uh, members of the church, yeah. to not really know how to answer the question. Am I saved? And it's a fundamental question that we should be able to quickly answer and feel in our hearts. That's right. So let's let's listen to some of this, and then we'll we'll stop it. And we'll we'll talk about it as we go through it. Okay, here we go. LDS. Yeah, we are. Okay, I've got a knife on my back. I've got three minutes to live. I'm scared of going to hell. What can I do to enter God's kingdom? Right in this moment? Yeah, I'm dying. I've now got two and a half minutes. There's only so much you could do in time like that, but we don't believe in a hell. I've got two minutes. I'm dying. I'm scared of going to hell. Yeah, we believe that everyone has basic salvation. Everyone's so safe? we don't believe that you're going to go to hell. Do you agree with that? Uh, in a sense, yeah. I agree with that. I think that if you repented and you have like a good heart then I think you'll be okay. Where's Adolf Hitler? I mean I I can't say. That's... Yes you can. You said everybody's saved. Yeah I, I don't believe that he everyone has salvation. He was responsible for the murder of 11 million people and you're uh -huh. saying he's going to a third heaven. Is that right? Not at all. That's not what I said. So where's he going? Well I said he has salvation. I didn't say. What does that mean? It's for God to decide. <laughs> so you think you're a good person? 
It depends. What do you think is good? We'll check in a minute. Do you think you're a good person? Wait, no, yeah. come back. What do you think is well, good? Let's, let's stop here perfect. for just a minute. What is Scott. more? So I I acknowledge that this these uh, youth are really I I sense are really good people, good good uh, examples, good members of the church, and it's really unfair for this minister, preacher, whatever, to go put these people on the spot and to give these uh, uh, sensational examples and other things about what salvation means and to kind of catch them off guard. And Okay, so the whole thing is kind of set up, and it's, and it's a little unfair. Well, it's probably a lot unfair. However, it could, that could happen to any of us to get caught off guard like that. So as as I've listened to this, Scott, I've been thinking a lot about the scripture in First Peter, uh, chapter three, verse fifteen, and I actually like fourteen too. I've got most both these verses marked in my scriptures. This is First Nephi three, fourteen and fifteen. Do you want to read it, Scott? But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither their n- neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Meaning reverence, fear. Fear in that, uh, the, that verse 15 means reverence or awe or respect for God. So that's kind of the injunction given to us by the prophet Peter, and by God, how we should always, always be ready to give an answer to any man or every man. Uh, The reason of the hope that is in us. I just think that's really critical that we all prepare ourselves to be able to give that answer, the reason of the hope that is in us. And... um, these individuals want to, right off the bat, these youth want to talk about salvation as described in Doctrine and Covenants section 76, which is true, which is fine, but for someone who's never understood Doctrine and Covenants section 76, which even when that revelation was given was a great trial for many members of the church because of how it redefined what salvation really is and how salvation really is available to those who go to the, either the celestial, terrestrial, or telestial. And the only ones who don't have at least some degree of glory or salvation are those who go to outer darkness. I know that's what the uh, the good young man is referring to here. Uh, but anyway, so the, individu- so the individual who's asking the question, the minister, preacher, uh, really kind of lays it on heavy by even bringing up Hitler and what do you think about Hitler and then he he's going to go off on are you good are you good now this is a trap right he's he's not even asking are you perfect he's just saying are you good well they're going to they're going to say yeah well we're we're fine you know but it's obvious the minister is wanting them to say that they're sinners we're all sinners and he's not hearing that from these young people so he's really hitting that hard and and again, I'm just asking all of us to consider when we're talking to somebody 
like this, we should kind of understand a little bit about how the Bible teaches these things, and the individuals who just have the Bible and don't have the Book of Mormon or the other Latter-day Scriptures, we need to kind of give a reason of the hope that is in us based upon their understanding, not just our understanding. So let's continue to okay. hear a little more here, Scott. Here we, here we go. Do you think you're a good person? Wait, yeah. no, come back. What do you think is good? Morally perfect. What is morally perfect to you? It's different to everyone. Let's go through the Ten Commandments and see if you're a good person. I don't think that's the basis for being a good person. How many lies have you told in your life? Several. And what about you? Some. How many have you told? Quite a few. Yeah, yeah. probably a lot. I've got a fair share. Yeah. Okay, so you're all liars, is that true? Sure, but you didn't define what a good person is. I'm, we're doing it right now. Well, I don't agree that just following the Ten Commandments means I'm a good person. Have you ever stolen something in your whole life, even if it's small? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you? Preci- yeah, appreciate your honesty. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yeah. Do you love your mum? Yeah. Did you ever use her name as a cuss word? No. Why not? Because... Because you, you respect him. You don't respect the God that gave you a mother. You've taken his whole... Because I took his name in vain? Yeah. So you're a good person? No, I'm not. Okay, I'm so not. what am I to you? Um, well, let's, we're finding out. Jesus said if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? At some point, probably, yeah. yeah. So here's a summation. You've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterate heart. You have to face God on Judgment Day. If he judges you by the Ten Commandments, we've looked at four of them, you're going to be innocent or guilty. I, I, sure. You're going to be guilty. Yeah. As we all are. The Bible says all liars live their part in the lake of fire. No thief, no blasphemer, no, no adulterer will inherit God's kingdom. Remember what Jesus said about hell? He said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it's better to enter heaven without an eye than go to hell with both your eyes, where the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies. And then he said this, Fear not him who has power to kill your body and afterwards do no more, but fear him who has power to kill your body and destroy your soul in hell. So hell exists, and man, I don't want you to go there, Josh. God's made provision for you to be forgiven. <laughs> now tell Let's me, why did Jesus Scott, die on you, the cross? What's your well, thoughts and impressions, Scott, on that little, salvation. On yeah. that little segment? Yeah, so uh, obviously, you know, and, and I think that this is not uncommon that, uh, you know, when a situation is like this, this uh, this person, and in fact, he, I've, I've listened to a couple of other of his clips since this one, and he, he talks about how I have, you know, I have 250,000 million uh, uh, followers, you know, and things like that. So, you know, it makes you question and wonder, okay, what's the real intent here, you know? Yeah, and right. And obviously... Uh, you know, and as I'm watching this, what the vantage that we have is we can see this clip and we can see that there's been a lot of edits here. There's been a lot of clips. There's been right. a lot of clippings. Are, yeah, there's, that's obvious. There's, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, manipulation of the uh, of the content here, which is fine. We do the same thing, you know, to a degree. But but the the point here is, is you know, we're, we're getting caught up in, in a couple of things. You know, what does good mean? What does it mean to uh, do the right thing? What does it mean to be good? You have to keep the Ten Commandments to be good, you know, uh, and, and, and things along those lines. And what, what I think that this preacher is getting at is he's trying to get to the point where it's like, are you totally reliant on Jesus Christ? Is That's kind of what the, te- the preacher's getting at here. And so he's trying to take some things that may be a little controversial or may, may be not as well-known uh, doctrinally. The, the, what, you know what that really bothers me about this, and it bothers me every time I hear anybody about this, is when they, 
want to have a straight conversation and get authority on our beliefs. Yeah. That's the wrong place to get it, number right. one. You know, number two, that you know, that this is the wrong audience from which to get it as well. But, uh, man, I feel bad for these kids because I think that their heart's right. For sure. But I don't think that they, you know, and, and for this sure. is... sure, and they don't, do a, they don't do a terrible job. They but. don't, but, it, but there's, there's some lack in understanding, which is not uncommon. And that's not, that's not a, a commentary of judgment towards these young kids at all. Right. Obviously, they're great young people. Yeah, you can tell they are. But, you know, I don't they're think that's... they caught off guard. Yeah. Uh, I think most missionaries have had similar experiences. Right. This, this one young man that's uh, dominating a little bit in the conversation so far, you can tell that he, he was probably a great missionary and that uh, he had that experience, and that's uh, how he kind of chose to approach it. And there's some... some uh, well, I mean, he's teaching truth. Sure. But, but that's not... Uh, that's probably, I, I don't know. It's just the emphasis in this whole thing, Scott, should be on the Savior. And the way the preacher is asking the questions, he's wanting them to focus on themselves. Right. And they buy into it. And they focus on themselves, whether they're good or not. I, it, it would have been better if he would have said, it, it doesn't even matter if I'm good enough. The only thing that matters is that Jesus was good enough. That's what matters. It doesn't matter whether I was, uh, I'm was i good or good enough. Jesus said, no man is good. Not even I am good. I, I mean, if, if he could have, you know, if he would have known that scripture in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it does, I, I'm not good. I'm not good enough. But Jesus was good enough. And if they could have just focused on the Savior, their Redeemer, it it could have changed kind of how this yeah how this whole conversation went yeah. and and again it was you can tell edited so totally maybe maybe in some ways they did but we're just not able to hear it because of the edits that are obvious yeah and I and I like to think that that would probably be the case uh, because I think that yeah you know I think that if, for example if you were to come tonight to a, my institute class that Deb and I teach our institute class tonight. And you were to interview the kids coming out and ask them the same questions. I'm just not sure that the answers would not. would be exactly like this. You know, I think that we do understand our reliance and our dependence on Jesus Christ. I think that we understand when we talk about you know being spiritually self reliant that really what we mean is turning ourselves to Him. You right. know, so that we rely on Him. And you know, and but here's the other thing though too. I I think that and. and I might be going out on a bit of a limb here, but I think that in the church it's so important that we've differentiated ourselves as being the only true and living church, right? We, we say that, and we hear it in sacrament meeting, and, and we believe that's true. We believe that we are the only true church who has the covenants, who has all of the restored gospel in its fullest and purest form. We have divine authority, and we have personal revelation. You know, those are the two distinguishing factors in the church that set us apart. Scott, that's according to David O. McKay. That's according to Thomas S. Monson and other of the prophets. You know, we have we have divine authority and direct revelation. revelation. But what we don't have 
is a corner on an understanding of of Jesus Christ and His power. Absolutely. There's other churches that have that too. There's other people who have an understanding, and and, and, and maybe, faith, not just understanding, and, faith and maybe in and the... maybe even a deeper devotion. You know, yeah, and, and yeah. I think that sometimes, and I'm, I'm not making commentary on these young people, but maybe sometimes when I've been in a, maybe a similar situation, that maybe sometimes that we don't want to be like the other churches because we have to be different, and so we have to be careful and differentiate maybe. that we don't believe that same way, you yeah, know, and we, we are different because we have this, and we'll see that more as we go through this uh, conversation, I think, with these young kids or these young people, but but that may be some part of the, the situation here, too. Well, it, I think it's a fact that we have a little bit of a problem in the church of perfectionism. We do. And meritocracy. And scrupulosity. And where people are trying, uh, we can talk more about this later, where people are trying so hard to be spiritually self-reliant that they don't give enough room to Jesus in their whole spiritual self-reliance. Yeah, well, they're, <laughs> they're... They're not they're not totally depending upon him. They are depending upon themselves. They've kind of bought into this gospel, false apostate gospel of perfectionism and meritocracy. They don't believe, really, that the gospel is a gospel of redemption, but perhaps more of a gospel of assimilation. We've talked about that in previous podcasts, Scott. Yeah. And it continues, no doubt, to be something uh, something of a problem. And, and uh, if we would just focus on Jesus Christ as our Savior and Redeemer, if you believe he's your Savior, then you should believe that you're saved. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Redeemer, then you should believe that you're redeemed through his blood. And, and, and you know what, Dave? I think that hits the nail on the head. I think that so many of us for so long, and I'm not, again, I can't get into the minds of these young people, and, and granted, we're getting an edited version here. So I want to be careful not to cast dispersion on these young people. I think they did a wonderful job. I'm a little ticked off at the guy that did yeah. it because I think it's unfair. But but the thing about this is, is I think that so, for so many of us, we think, I'm just going to live my life as good as I can because I have to merit uh, Heavenly Father's love. I have have to, uh, on and on and on, and, and there's so many scenarios that we can pull into that, and when I need it, I'll tap into the atonement, but only yeah. when I need it. But what we don't realize is we're in constant need of the atonement of Jesus every Christ. Moment, every moment, every second is working in our life, whether we even acknowledge it or not. That's but right. But Scott, it, it's, it's the center, it's the core, it's everything not only the plan of redemption, but of, of my daily life, your daily life, everyone's daily life. And, and the acknowledgement of that and the, the uh, ability to be able to testify of that with others, our family, to acknowledge it to God, to ourselves, is, is I think, essential in living a life full of hope, full of joy, and full of love. I spoke with a beautiful young couple uh, last night, who's uh, the kind of their words? They're trying to rewire themselves. <laughs> I thought that was they kept using that word. They're trying to rewire themselves from a gospel of works to a gospel of grace. And I think there's a lot of us who need to kind of uh, rewire ourselves. That uh, I we know that there's works. Scott, that are, are needed 
to be able to enjoy all of the blessings of God and to be able to uh, receive exaltation. But Scott, works will not save us worlds without end. Christ saves us, and our work should be centered in relying and depending on him instead of me trying to save myself it should be my work should be how can i rely more on him how can i for example the injunction given in doctrine comes section 6 which we've referenced many times look unto me in every thought every thought scott that takes work yeah <laughs> yeah that takes so much work and focus and effort to look unto Christ in every thought. Then he says, doubt not, fear not. That takes work, Scott. Look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. Behold the wounds. You know, and he, and he tells it, us, come unto me. That takes work. But that's the answer. Behold the wounds in my hands and my feet. Come unto me. That's the answer. That's how we find him in every thought. That's how we find him in all of our works. It's it's a work as uh, Brother Adam Miller has has written about. And I like I like uh, Adam Miller's writings and uh, says some good things. And and Adam Miller says, you know, f- focusing and relying upon Jesus Christ and believe that you're saved through Him. Is work, yeah, but a work of a different kind. Of a different kind. I really love that, and and actually, the work, the work can be more intensive. It should definitely be more intentional. Um, commandments. This is Brother Matthews who wrote the Bible Dictionary, Scott. Commandments will not save us. If you could keep every commandment. Without Jesus Christ and his atonement, you would still go to hell. I mean, that that should tell you what we believe. Jesus Christ has saved me, not just through his resurrection. You know, I think people, when they say, yeah, I'm saved, a lot of Latter-day Saints, missionaries, return missionaries, they're thinking of physical resurrection for their are saved from physical death. Scott, we have been saved unconditionally from physical death because of the resurrection and from spiritual death because we're all going to return to the presence of God. Have I been saved? Yes, from physical death and spiritual death. Now, I haven't said anything about the judgment. We will be judged after we're resurrected. There will be a final judgment. And based upon my choices and decisions, and especially based upon my relationship with God, my dependence upon Jesus Christ, and my willingness to receive the Holy Spirit in my life, will determine where I go and what degree of glory or salvation I may enjoy or not enjoy. Right. But I'm saved. I'm redeemed. And that... All of that should focus on Jesus Christ and and what he has done for us and that acknowledgement that I'm a sinner, I can merit nothing of myself, but through Christ I am saved. Through his blood we are redeemed. 
that's I hope everyone has a reason and can give a reason when asked to do so for the hope that is in them. And that reason is not based upon how good you are or not. No, it's not. It's based upon how good Jesus is. That he was good enough. Yeah. Even he says, I, I, only, I'm not good. Only one is good. That's yeah. the Father. Yeah. But thankfully, Jesus fulfilled his mission and, and uh, was perfected through his sacrifice. So uh, anyway, I, I, I just really hope that people uh, who listen, let's listen to some more of it, Scott, okay. and go from there. Okay, here we go. Attention, the Ten Commandments are called the moral law. Okay. You and I broke the law, Jesus paid the fine. That's why he said it is finished just before he died. He was saying paid in full. If you're in court and you've got speeding fines, a judge will let you go if someone pays those fines. You say you're guilty, but someone's paid your fine, you can leave, and it's legal. Even though you're guilty, you walk because your fine was paid by another. And even though you and I are guilty of heinous crimes against God, he can let us walk, he can take the death sentence off us and let us legally live forever because Jesus paid the fine on that cross and rose from the dead and defeated death. And according to the Bible, all you have to do to find everlasting life is repent of your sins and trust alone in Jesus. Don't trust in we your don't goodness. We don't believe that. Repent and trust in Jesus. Just put your faith in him. Don't Darn. do your goodness to save you because you haven't gotten any Darn, life. stop it. The rest yeah. of us, you're a sinner. I... We don't believe that. Uh, now, granted, we believe more than that. <laughs> but we do believe that. We believe a lot more than that. But we definitely believe that if we have faith, which is another word for trust, if we trust in the Lord and we have faith in Jesus Christ, that we are saved. It's got the scriptures testify of that. Uh the prophets have testified of that. If we truly, w- with a sincere heart, uh, exercise, uh, have faith in Christ, and exercise that faith in Christ, uh, we won't only be redeemed and saved, we, we'll be exalted. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I really believe that. The power, if you have that level of faith, uh, you'll, you can be exalted. So again, I, I, how would you answer that, our listeners? How would you answer? Do you believe that if you trust in Jesus, that you're saved? Is that what? What did he ask? Yeah, how, I think I think that was. Let me see if I can rewind. It wasn't it. quite that simple. Yeah. So let, here it even is. Even though you're guilty, you walk because your fine was paid by another. And even though you and I are guilty of heinous crimes against God, He can let us walk. He can take the death sentence off us and let us legally live forever because Jesus paid the fine on that cross and rose from the dead and defeated death. And according to the Bible, all you have to do to find everlasting life is repent of your sins and trust alone in Jesus. Don't trust in we your don't goodness. Believe. So in a, according to the Bible, all you have to do is trust in Jesus. And repent of your and sins. And repent of your sins. I mean, that, that's awesome. The minister yeah. even yeah. even said that because I've, you know, a lot, of, a lot of ministers, they don't pick up on the word repent even. They think it's just... It, Faith in Christ saves us. This one even, he even uh, mentioned repentance, which, by the way, is the first word out of Jesus' mouth when he begins his mortal ministry is to repent. So, of course we believe that faith in Christ and repentance, you know, that, that that's a deeper level of salvation even. I believe I'm saved, that I'm redeemed unconditionally. 
but to re- to have faith in him right. and to repent is even a deeper level of salvation and redemption and uh i i know that this sweet young man is thinking about exaltation and that we have to do a lot more than just believe but i don't know scott if if all of our listeners how they would answer this for themselves and i guess that's why we're we're asking the question yeah and, and, you know, we're going to get in as he goes along. I think p- part of what's happening here, and many of us have been on the other end of this or in the shoes of this young man, p- perhaps. But I think, you know, w- and we'll see the the, uh, the, the the this coming true here in just a few minutes. But what he's really getting at is he's trying to get to the difference between the difference between works and grace, too. Right. And, and so uh, we, we find ourselves in a bit of a. a a, a little bit puzzled sometimes when it comes to that in terms of, you know, the overall beliefs and so forth of the church. So we'll get into that as it goes too. Good. Okay. You ready? Thank you. Repent and trust in Jesus. Just put your faith in him. Don't look to your goodness to save you because you haven't gotten here like the rest of us. You're a sinner. Just trust in Jesus. Does that make sense? We don't believe that. I know. That's why I'm talking to you. I want to yeah. sh- share the good news of the gospel with you. We, we believe in works. Yeah, we believe in we faith believe and works. I'm not saved because of my good works. How can I earn everlasting life by my good works? It comes by God's grace. Just pause that for just one minute. We God's don't life. believe in works. We believe in Christ, and we believe in His works. We believe in His goodness, and we believe that through Him that we can do good works. But we don't believe in works. Uh, again, I know they were set up, and I know it's a really great young man. And I know if he were to listen to this, he would do it differently. As, and, and if if I was put on the spot like him, I w- I'd probably say things that I'd take back as well. So I'm not really criticizing, but I'm just words do matter, and what you believe is really important that we that we ra- that we uh, consciously have worked out in our mind the reason of the hope that is within us and how we would communicate that. Yeah. I just, this is an opportunity for all of us to, uh, to say, how would I answer that? So anyway, let's, let's, all right, here's the, uh, next part of it. We don't believe that. I know that's why I'm talking to you. Sins and trust alone in Jesus. Don't trust in we your don't goodness. Believe that. Repent and trust in Jesus. Just put your faith in Him. Don't look to your goodness to save you because you haven't gotten here like the rest of us. You're a sinner. Just trust in Jesus. Does that make sense? We don't believe that. I know. That's why I'm talking to you. I yeah. want to sh- share the good news of the gospel with you. We, we believe in works. Yeah, we believe in faith and works. I'm not saved because of my good works. How can I earn everlasting life by my good works? It comes by God's grace. And then I live a life that's pleasing God's eyes, not to earn eternal life, but out of gratitude to God for his mercy. Do you know what grace means? Unmerited favor. Yeah, you cannot earn grace. It's like mercy from a judge. You can't slip the judge $5. So eternal life is a free gift. Nothing we do can merit eternal life. It comes by God's mercy because of what Jesus did on the cross. I was standing on a corner on the Mulholland Street in Nauvoo, it was the open house of the Nauvoo Temple, and I was Delta Four. I had a little earpiece in my ear, and I was security. Wow. Yeah. 
it was official. That's cool. Yeah, I had de- I was Delta Four. Delta Four. Little hidden mic and <laughs> earpiece, and my instructions given to me from the head of security was try to not say too much to people and don't correct people and just be just we just need your eyes. Not, not 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 your mouth. <laughs> we just need your eyes. Yeah. If there's a problem, you let you let us know. Okay. We don't want you to solve it. Just let us know. Just give me give us your eyes. So I I went up and I was kind of on Main Street and Mulholland Street, that corner, that area. And there was lots of uh, anti Mormons, uh, anti Latter Day Saints uh, who were picketing and you know trying to. Uh, get people involved in a conversation. There was especially one young, energetic man that over a course of time I learned was from the South and had strong evangelical beliefs and good, handsome young man. And uh, he was trying to engage members of the church into a conversation about uh, uh, our scripture, about uh, you're saved by grace after all you can do. Uh, right in Second Nephi twenty five twenty three, and uh, he he had a Book of Mormon in his hand. And he's waving the Book of Mormon. Uh, you Mormons uh, don't believe you're saved by grace. You believe you're saved by grace after all you can do. Uh, people would try to ignore him, and most people just walk by and not really get engaged in some sort of an argument or theological discussion. There was one really sweet young mother. I remember she had two or three children with her. She was alone, and she had them in a in a kind of a stroller, and she was strolling by, and she heard, and she was trying not to get engaged, but she couldn't stand it any longer. <laughs> and she stopped on the corner, and she just let him have it. <laughs> I was so proud of her. I mean, she was doing the best she could. And, you know, her faith was so obvious. Yeah. Her faith, her belief, her intention was so sincere, so sweet, Scott. But then I was, I was just, I was a little saddened because she kept saying, that scripture is true. We are not saved by grace. (laughs) We are saved by works. Oh, man, I was so deflated and uh, kind of discouraged, even though I still, you know, had so much respect for her. And uh, anyway, the day went on. This was about an hour before it was my turn to turn it over to somebody else. And when I finished my time there, I put my ear, took my earpiece out, took all the wiring off of me, uh, put it in my pocket. I walked over to this young man. I said, I've been listening to you all day. And I want you to know that what you're teaching is true. We are saved by grace. We believe that. The Book of Mormon teaches that. If you want, do you want to see some scriptures in the Book of Mormon that talk about how Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, that Jesus Christ has redeemed us, that it's through his righteousness that we're saved, not our own, the Book of Mormon gives you plenty of evidence of that. You have picked one verse which you don't understand, and you have interpreted it a way in which some of our members have interpreted it as well. But that's not the way you should read it. That's not what it means. The Book of Mormon teaches grace, 
and it teaches that we're saved by grace. Uh, you know, pr President Uchtdorf made this statement to, in April 2015 in General Conference. The prophet Nephi made an important contribution to our understanding of God's grace when he declared, We labor diligently to persuade our children and also our brother to believe in Christ, not works, and to be reconciled to God, not our own goodness. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved, after all we can do. However, I wonder if sometimes, President Dorf goes on, I wonder if sometimes we misinterpret the phrase, after all we can do. We must understand that after does not equal because. This is so important. We are not saved because of all that we can do. Have any of us done all that we can do? Does God wait until we've expended every effort before he will intervene in our lives with his saving grace? Many people feel discouraged because they constantly fall short. They know firsthand that the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. They raise their voices with Nephi and proclaiming, My soul grieveth because of mine iniquities. I am certain Nephi knew that the Savior's grace allows and enables us to overcome sin. This is why Nephi labored so diligently to persuade his children and brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. After all, that is what we can do. That's all we can do. And that is our task in mortality. We're saved by grace, not because of what we can do, not after we've done everything we can do. We are saved in grace. After all, that is all we can do, Yeah, is to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Redeemer, and only through his grace, after, after everything we do, it is only through his grace that we are saved. That's the task of our mortality, is to receive his, his grace, his redemption. So anyway, Scott, I just hope our listeners can come to a uh, more clear, not just in their mind, but especially it's focused and they feel it in their heart, that we are saved. We are redeemed. And if they do, <clears throat> they'll have greater, greater joy and peace. Maybe my works are important, but my works uh, may be only important as that they are a manifestation of my relationship with him. You know, because if, my, if, I, if I really love him, if I've really come to know him, if I've really tried hard to love my neighbor and incorporate and repent and, and all of the things that we talk about in this podcast, if, if all of that's taken place in my life, then my life surely will be different. Yeah. And, and if it's different, sure. how, will that, how will that show up? Well, it'll show up in my behaviors, in my interactions with others. And are those things works? Well, I guess that maybe they are. And if that's how maybe my works are affected because of Christ's grace and love for me by completing the atonement, 
by drinking the bitter cup, uh, you know, as, as all of those things take place, my works will definitely more, most likely be reflective of that miracle in my life. But they're only a reflection of the miracle in my life. They are not the miracle itself. And, and your motives come into play here, too, Scott. Sure, yeah. You know, your intentions. Your intentions. Are you, are you keeping the commandments to save yourself? Or are you keeping the commandments to tap into the atonement of Jesus Christ? You know, again, I've said this before, but when I was a missionary, I kept the commandments. And all the rules, too, by the way. Yeah. So that I wouldn't need the atonement of Jesus Christ. So that I wouldn't have to repent. Now, I keep the commandments to put on the atonement and especially the commandment to repent. That may be the greatest commandment of all. I, 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 I know the first commandment is to love God with all your heart, my mind, and soul. The second is to like to it, love your neighbors yourself. But maybe beyond that, uh, I keep the commandments now, not so I won't need the atonement, but so that I can put on the atonement. So the effects of the atonement can be alive in your life. It's it's a different approach, Scott. Yeah. It's a different perspective. Yeah. How do you see the gospel? Do you see the gospel working for you? Do you see God working for you? Do you see? Or do you rely on His works? You know, I did a study. Uh, I don't know. It's been a while ago. Uh, a few years ago. I looked up every verse of Scripture, and by the way, there are, I'll give you how many, I have my little notes right here, uh, several pages of notes, 1,411 times, 1,411 times in the standard works, you read these words, I will. I will. Now, most of those are... God speaking, and God telling us what he will do. And I went through all of those verses, and uh, I just want to read maybe a little bit of a summary here. Here's, I will be merciful, a light, your light. I will be in the midst. I will be in your midst. I will be their rear rearward. I will bring, I will bring forth, I will bring them forth, I will bring the fullness, I will bring you up, I will work, I will work a great and marvelous work, I will prepare, I will prepare the way before you, I will make, I will make him great, I will make him an instrument of thee, I will make, I will make my people I will make thine horn iron. I will make thy hoofs brass. I will make thy mighty in word. I will pres preserve. I will preserve thy seed. I will raise up thy seed. And these, by the way, are multiple times in the scriptures, not just once. These are most of these are multiple times in the scriptures. I will spare them. I will spare him. I will spare it. I will deliver. I will deliver them out of bondage. I will deliver you out of bondage. I will deliver this people. I will deliver thy sons. I will deliver thy family. I will give. I will give power unto him. I will give line upon line. I will give a sign. I will give more. I will forgive. 
I will forgive thee. I will forgive him. I will lift up. I will lift up mine hand. I will feed. I will feed them. I will fortify this land. I will fulfill my promises, all that I have spoken. I will soften their hearts. I will consecrate their gain. I will covenant with my people. I will show. I will show that I'm able to do my work. I will show that I am the same. I will show that I am God. I will show unto thee, O house of Israel. I will show unto you that this record is true. I will show unto them that my wisdom is greater. I will show unto them uh, in mine own due time. I will show unto you the greater things. I will show unto them their weakness. I will show unto I will do. I will judge. I'm, I'm skipping now. <laughs> I will do. I will judge. I will unfold. And it goes on, Scott. Yeah. What has God done for me? What is he willing? I will. What is he willing to do for me? What has he done for me? That should be my focus. And when it is, Scott, it changes my approach and motives in living the gospel of Jesus Christ because I feel gratitude. I'm filled with desire. I love him because he loved me first. And he sent his son that's the gospel of Jesus Christ that I believe in. That's the God that I believe in. And if our focus were more on what he has done for us and less on whatever we think we're doing for him, we would be a lot happier. The spirit of of the Holy Ghost would be more uh, evident in our lives uh, our approach to living the gospel would be so much less fear and worry and so much more hope and joy and peace. Um, I told this young couple yesterday, you know, about Lehi's dream. We talked about Lehi's dream, and I love, the, I love everything about Lehi's dream, and I love the four groups that are described in Lehi's dream in First Nephi chapter 8. And you have these, this group of clingers, Clingers never last. You have to hold fast. But one of the four groups are the clingers. They cling. They get to the. They actually get to the tree. They actually partake of the fruit, and then they notice the great and spacious building, and they go off following the great and spacious building. The only group of the four that make it to the tree and stay is the group who hold fast who get to the tree, and they fall down. They fall down in gratitude. They fall down in reverence. They fall down in recognition of what God has done for them and of his love for them. And then they partake of the fruit, and they stay. I know we all feel like we're on the, the, the path, Straight and narrow path. Uh, I don't know how people see that or how they picture that as being a dirt path, a paved path, cobblestone path. Is it up and down? I know it's straight and narrow, but does it go up and down, peaks and valleys, mists of darkness? 
Scott, I, I, I wish that we could all just live the gospel by receiving the ordinances through our faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement and just hang out around the tree and continually forever and ever partake of his fruit. Be nourished by his word and partake of his love and receive which I, the tree is Jesus Christ and the fruit is his atonement. That's how I see it. And I wish that just daily, moment by moment, minute by minute, every second of our lives, we could just enjoy the fruit of the love of God, which is Jesus Christ and his atonement. Because I know that we're redeemed and I know that we're saved. I know he's my savior, my redeemer, and I know he's yours. And everybody out there who's listening, whether they know it or not, really, they he has redeemed them. He has saved them. And whether they acknowledge it, whether they receive it, that's a work of a different kind. And I hope that all of our listeners can feel that they're redeemed and that they're saved and know the reason for the hope that should be in all of us. A lot for us to uh, take in and a lot for us to think about and contemplate and ponder on and maybe even meditate on as we prayerfully approach the uh, concepts, the, the, the different things that we've talked about here today. In the beginning, I invited us all to pause, take a minute on how we would answer the questions that I posed. And I'm just going to maybe just extend that invitation again after our conversation after we've had an opportunity to commune with Heavenly Father on this topic uh, and, and just understand and learn our complete and utter dependence upon Jesus Christ, His power through His atonement and, and how important, absolutely vitally important that is to each of us in our lives. Thanks for being with us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. And until then, you just remember that you have been redeemed through His blood. Take care now.